This episode is sponsored by Luminous Creative Agency. Headquartered in downtown Providence, Luminous works with businesses and organizations to enhance their marketing efforts by developing high-quality creative content, such as video, ad campaigns, design, branding, and more. You can learn more by visiting Luminous.agency. That's L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S dot agency. Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. As always, we are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hi, guys. I hope everyone's doing well on today's episode and part of our, we kind of took a little bit of a break in between episodes, but this like overarching brewery theme. Yeah, we had um, quite a few of those. <laughs> we have um, Matt Gray from Ragged Island, which he was so cool he was so fun to talk to um he is the he is the founder and owner of ragged island along with his wife um we get to hear that story which is really cool he's part of like the rhode island brewers guild association so we learned a little bit about that and yeah i just really liked chatting with him he was awesome yeah and i, I mean we had a, a good amount of some of the stuff we've talked to uh, brewers about in the past we, mm. we, you know obviously we've talked to a few brewers so we learned to uh, ask the, we the learned questions to ask that right, they can the right answer question. yeah yeah um but also uh ragged island's building out like this really cool like farm mm. um that they're putting all of their 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 what do you want to call Beers. it uh, yeah brew house and brewery mm-hmm. and all that stuff on uh so we got to kind of hear about that and the whole process behind it and how the land came about and all that stuff. Uh, and that was really cool. It just made for a very different um, side to the story. And we got like a little mini uh, random history lesson in uh, Aquidneck Island here yeah. and there as well. Which was really cool. I I'm, I mean, I'm sure anyone who listens to this already can tell that like geography is not my... Uh, <laughs> It's not where like I would put my money it's into. It's not my strong suit. Yeah, it's not my strong suit. Um, so he talks a little bit about... Um, that which i thought was really cool um but yeah it was a really cool episode i think you guys are really gonna love it um and yeah and i hope you guys are just like surviving the cold and like enjoying life and and getting snuggled during snowstorms and listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah, and not throwing out your back shoveling um shoveling <laughs> shoveling is the worst part of snow um sasha was trying to be very positive and i'm gonna be um just me and think about the fact that i hate shoveling negative nancy negative <laughs> nick Everybody else hates shoveling, and we're going to acknowledge that and stop pretending like it doesn't stink. Um, okay, but, uh, I actually like shoveling. Oh, my God. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. I have fun doing it. It's like, and I can never find the the happy medium between, like, having too many layers on and sweating my butt yeah. off, then, like, taking some off and then being cold and having icicles in my beard. And, yeah. You know, if I had a beard. I was going to say, was what more, beard? supposed to be more of, like, a figure of speech, but it sounded like I was actually claiming to have a beard. I have the facial hair of, like, a... 12 year old boy yeah it's terrible definitely not uh, frozen beard uh, no, worthy. no not frozen beard worthy but if i did there would be high school time <laughs> um, good to know <laughs> but after all that whole tangent uh everybody sit back relax uh crack yourself a beer hopefully mm-hmm. you have one from ragged island if not go buy one now. right now uh, and then crack it and <laughs> lean back and enjoy the episode have fun guys have fun like when we were just chatting on the mic, I was like, wow, that voice is silky smooth. It sounded great. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we love to like gush about people here and like give lots of compliments. Yeah, Sasha and... is definitely a gusher. <laughs> I just like, 
I mean, I, I probably have said this a million times. I just like to give people credit where credit is due. I feel like in a world where it's like internet trolls and negativity and blah, 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 blah. Like if I can be someone who's like happy and, you know, I that's, that's yeah. the role I'm taking on. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I hope not. Um, so, Matt, one thing that you, before we started recording, you were talking, we were talking about, you know, breweries and <clears throat> the new sort of like generation of, you know, craft brewing and the, you said it's very, um, like the, the people who are owning or running breweries, they have like a good relationship with each other, which I think is really special. Yeah, it definitely is a collegial industry. People are, uh, you know, always willing to lend a helping hand and have conversations, um, you know, whether it's about sourcing materials or just, you know, general, you know, legislative items that we're, we're discussing. I mean, everybody really has an opportunity to have a voice and uh, everyone's, you know, on the other end of that is always, you know, willing to listen and, and try and learn from each other. So that's a really nice part about this industry. Yeah. And I mean, uh, so I have a friend who's a brewer for Ravenous in Cumberland. Mm -hmm. um, and like he had, because we were, I was talking to him about it and he had said like, not just that, but the other breweries in the area, like if they run out of something, they can call somebody and like run over and get it. Like, and I noticed yeah. that in restaurants too. Like if we ran out of a certain t something that we needed for the dish, like a other restaurant in the area, I could like run over there and get something from them. And, you know, it was I a need lot honey of give mustard stat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that sort of thing happens all the time. Um, it happens, you know, whether it's on a one-off basis with the brewery you know really well and it's really close to you, which is probably <laughs> most likely the scenario. But also the Rhode Island Brewers Guild has a, a thread where – Brewers reach out and say, I need this or I have this for sale. And, you know, sometimes deals get done that way, which, you know, keeps everybody moving forward and going through their inventory and, and, and making great product. Well, I was just going to mention that. So, Matt, Matthew Gray, <laughs> you are, what is your role at Ragged Island? So I'm the uh, founder and owner of yes. Ragged Island Brewery Company uh, with my wife, Katie. And uh, we started the brewery with a couple of friends uh, when... We all decided that it'd be a great uh, adventure to, to create a craft brewery on Aquidneck Island. Mm. Um, now, it, my wife and I run the business, uh, you know, by ourselves. Our, our good friends that we started with have uh, since moved to Houston. Uh, so, you know, they had to chase another dream and, and totally rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, but since then, uh, Katie and I have really been hands on every day and mm. keeping the business going. That's awesome. And I also, you had mentioned before, <clears throat> um, were you elected? I'm, I have to read this because I don't, I'm not going to remember this whole thing. The Rhode Island Brewers Guild elect executive board. Yeah. So I was uh, elected to cool. the Rhode Island Brewers Guild uh, board of directors last year. Mm. Uh, I'll be coming up for my second year of my term this year, which I, I don't have to run for re-election. Uh, there are three positions on the board that will be up for election this year. Oh. So we'll have uh, three new board members and then myself and Matt Richardson from Tilted Barn will remain on the board um, going forward. So. How do you – so you had to run for that. So you had to get voted in? Yeah, you put your name in the hat basically. Oh. Um, you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, every 
member of the guild has one vote and you get uh you know have an election just like you would for any other organization and i was uh you know i'm very proud to have been elected to the yes that's amazing and you said every member of the guild is that like most of the breweries in rhode island or is it yeah there's over 30 members right now and and growing uh which is really exciting to Mm. see um and so each one of those members has a voting stake in in uh including, you know, new breweries that just came on board, like Narragansett just became a member of the guild this year as they have a new facility that's brewing their beer in in this uh, city of Providence. So, you know, that's just an example of of a new brewery. I mean, mm. technically Narragansett's not a new brewery, <laughs> but they have a new vote this yeah. year, which is great, you know, and it brings them into the fold and, and gets them involved and engaged, which is exciting. What kind of stuff, like I'm assuming there's, I don't know, monthly meetings or... How does that work? And like when you have a meeting, what do you guys? Yeah, we have uh, monthly meetings. We had one last night. Um, you know, it, they're basically just covering the the mission of the Rhode Island Brewers Guild. Uh, there's three key points. One is uh, marketing and promoting all the breweries. So, you know, any chance we have to plug Rhode Island breweries and, mm. and, and be positive about that. Um, for example, we have a brand new item uh, out for sale, which is a fundraiser, as well as a marketing tool. It's a, a puzzle of all the different Rhode Island breweries. There's a 500-piece oh, cool. puzzle for sale right now through the Rhode Island Brewers Guild um, with pickup locations at several of the breweries in the state. Um, so that's just a, an initiative that's just a fun thing, but also mm. helps raise money for uh, another part of our mission, which is legislative activities. So we're always, you know, you know, every session and really engaging with the state legislature on ways to improve uh, and enhance the businesses that make up the Rhode Island Brewers Guild. Um, you know, there are various business models within the Brewers Guild, you know, from, you know, small owner operator you know, breweries to, you know, much larger scale breweries. But, um, you know, this legislative uh, initiatives, we generally are trying to, you know, enhance uh, the, the greater good of the businesses. So, uh, you know, this past year we were able to get an extra case sold on premise towards our goal of we'd asked for 10. Uh, now we have two cases. Uh, so it wasn't as you know overly successful as we would have <laughs> liked it to be. Um, and there's some opposition and challenges that we face throughout, you know, the wholesalers and the, and the retailers. Some are for us, some are against it. And it's, it's a frustration uh, for me as a small business owner because you know, we're relatively young industry. I know that, you know, brewing's been around for, you know, centuries, but mm. uh, the state of Rhode Island has now has a large presence of manufacturers uh, producing quality product here in the state. Mm. And for a state that has such a tremendous legacy in manufacturing and then saw that go away to a large degree, this is one of the few places you can see it coming back. And mm. for me, it's frustrating just to, you know, if, if we're being held back at all, um, you know, everyone always hears politicians talking about how they really want to, you know, help small businesses small and, business, and manufacturing yeah. jobs and create jobs. Well, that's what we're doing every mm. day. And unfortunately, we're still being held back to a degree. So we're working on that. And mm. that's one of the other areas is, you know, besides marketing is legislative and then finally technical um, support. So making sure that we have, you know, uh, the best brewers in the state and you know, giving them the opportunity to go through training or, or you know, uh, one of the big initiatives right now that uh, we've been working on with uh, Morgan Snyder over at Buttonwoods has kind of been spearheading this as, as a member of the, the board of directors is, you know, working on wastewater with the state DEM, you know, Department of Environmental Management, you know, really wants to know what the, you know, challenges are mm. for wastewater, um, you know, 
after, you know, brewing beer does create a little bit of waste, mm -hmm. as we all could mm -hmm. imagine. Yeah. Um, and water is the number one ingredient mm -hmm. in beer. So obviously it's very crucial to, you know, to make sure we know what's happening here in the state in our watershed. And, um, you know, we're a small state. It's, a, you know, working with our state officials to try and make sure that we get the uh, appropriate, mm -hmm. um, you know, restrictions and, and benefits to to all of our brewing and manufacturing partners. So it's crazy because I know um, we've mentioned this before, like in a small state, there's a lot of breweries and me just kind of getting to know more people who are involved in it. I would assume just kind of as an ignorant thought, like, oh, I, don't, I hope that everyone's okay. Like different breweries are okay, like promoting themselves on here. And then after hearing you talk about you know, the executive board and all this stuff, it feels like this community of brewers is like all in on everyone being successful in the best way possible, which I think is like so cool. <laughs> like I, I would never have, even in my research and in, 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 in re researching other breweries, I, I haven't stumbled upon the executive board. So I'm so excited that you were part of us today and that came up and I saw that because I, I, did you know that this, that was like a... I knew... Um... <clears throat> Because I think we've gotten in touch with um, the, uh, the the brewers uh, to talk about a couple of things, like when we were doing when we're doing like beer trails or mm. things like that. And I believe you guys, you guys as an organization, are the ones that do the passport, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The brewery passport, where you can like get stamped for. The oh my god, that's that you so go cool! You know, yeah. Now it's uh, <laughs> unfortunately during the pandemic, or right as the pandemic started uh, last year we actually rolled out the digital version of the passport. So you no longer needed oh. a booklet with stamps mm. and going. Is it like an app or something? Or? Just an app that you oh, can download. Cool. And we definitely recommend people go check it out. Mm. Um, it's just, you know, what is in the, the app, app store. Called? It's the Rhode Island Brewers Guild Passport. Oh my God, I'm going to download that. You download that. Every time you visit the breweries, you can, you know, uh, geo check in. And once you hit certain uh, number of breweries visited, you get various prizes and mm. you claim them right there at the breweries. So that's a program that's been going on for several years. Now we're in the digital age, finally. <laughs> unfortunately, we couldn't really make much fanfare about it because going to breweries was, uh, you know, kind of shunned mm. for a little while. Like going anywhere was mm. shunned yeah. for a while. So. It's back now, though. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Back in full force, yep, yep. hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I know to the degree we can be. And mm. I know everybody's still being outdoors to a degree. And Totally. Um, you know, and every brewery has their own philosophy and, and you know, decisions about how they're handling that. Mm. So... You know, uh, 10 years ago, the brewery model in the state of Rhode Island was to produce beer, package it, sell it to distribution, mm. maybe do a tours here and there. Um, and, and obviously that's changed quite dramatically. You know, our business models for most of the breweries in the state of Rhode Island are to have people come to the tap room and enjoy their product mm. there and pick it up to take out and sell there. Um, and, and that's just a huge uh, shift. But uh, that, that also took a big hit last year with, uh, you know, the way mm. things went uh, for everybody in every business. Yeah, I've, I've noticed, too, um, and maybe it's just like my own myopic view of how this happens. But I've noticed, too, where there was a, a little while there because, like we were talking about, it's a relatively young industry in the state. And uh, the boom has happened, like, in the 2000s. Um, and I noticed for a while when some a place would kind of get started, they'd start doing decently well. Uh, and then they'd start put, uh, working out deals with like kind of bars around them in the general vicinity to like kind of get their kegs there to put it on tap. Um, but then I also noticed that start to flag a little bit uh, with more places because 
just people going to the tap room became so popular, I think, that they didn't have the extra kegs to send out <laughs> to other places, yeah. which is really interesting, I think. And it's kind of a, a testament to the fact that they can be individual, play, like one stop, one place, one brewery, uh, and people are going to go there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the businesses, uh, the models have changed quite a bit, even in breweries that existed, you know, before this boom and before tap rooms became a thing, you know, looking at uh, Newport Storm and Graysale as examples mm. where they were heavily focused on distribution. So getting bars and restaurants, their product, getting liquor stores, their product and packaged goods. And then newer models where you just opened your doors and sold draft beer to go, whether it's in growlers or, or, you know, on-site uh, on-premise uh, consumption. So the model certainly shifted quite a bit. Um, you know, that had been happening outside of Rhode Island for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, in New England in general, Rhode Island is actually on the on the slower side to, to pick up on on these um, models. Uh, and a lot of that came through legislative issues that, mm -hmm. you know, were fought for by the Rhode Island Brewers Guild to get ourselves on par with our neighboring states. So thanks um, for doing that. Yeah, well. Uh, and thanks for your executive board and all those yeah. members. Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, everybody works really hard on there. It's all volunteer basis. Mm. You know, we do have an executive director who is a paid employee, but um, probably underpaid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, also just, you know, it's it's a lot of work to, mm. you know, especially when you start dealing with legislative items and trying to wrangle mm. 30 plus breweries to get on the same page for certain things. Oh, um, yeah. It's, you know, it's a lot. And then, you know, with COVID, we couldn't meet in person to mm. a degree that we could before. Yay, Zoom meetings. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then one of the things about Rhode Island in general, and this is just a general statement, we are the smallest state. Uh, you know, if, if there's one asset that we have, it is that small size, that proximity to mm. each other. I mean, yeah. it takes an hour to get anywhere. So we should be able to come together and totally. we should be able to collaborate more uh, mm. than many other states. And there's a lot of things we can do here that other states can't even comprehend just because of the yeah. size of, of our if state. If you were like so. Pennsylvania, your nearest brewery might be an hour from you. Mm. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think our, our small size sometimes can be a downer for some people, but I think it really does help you know, with the collaborating and with, you know, even though I'm from Cumberland, I now live in Providence, like going to Ragged Island or, or you know, in Aquidneck Island or going, um, you know, to Tilton Barn, I think they're in Exeter. Is that the, you know, it's not that, it's not that crazy, right? Because I can go to any side of the state in less than an hour and I get to experience those things. And I can we, you know, when you live in Massachusetts and you're like, there's this random town like named whatever, Hopedale. It's like, six miles away. I mean, you know, 60 miles away. You've never heard of it. You don't know anything about it. For the most part, I feel like everyone in Rhode Island is pretty connected to all of Rhode Island. So it's easy to be like a community, right? Like Rhode Island, usually like a town is a community. I feel like as a state, mm -hmm. we're like a community state, which I think is like really cool. I will say that I get surprised every once in a while by a town name. <laughs> there's like a is it wisconsin rhode island is that what it is wyoming is it? Wyoming. wyoming oh That's yeah there's a wyoming rhode wyoming. island one of my friends lives near there and does anything like, happen in wyoming and, like, wyoming and i was like what the heck is that and they was like, oh there's a wyoming rhode island <laughs> i'm gonna ask you um matt because you're from aquidneck island mm -hmm. someone who is not um i'm from northern rhode island what is considered aquidneck island like what 
yep. are the so Gwinnick Island is three uh, communities. It's a Newport, Middletown, and Portsmouth. Mm. My joke is that the founding fathers of that area were not that creative. <laughs> uh, Portsmouth was first founded. It was at the mouth of the port. Uh, Newport was then established. It's the new. It's port. a Newport. Uh, and then there's a town in the middle. So, ah. uh, That's so funny. It's kind of the way it goes, but. Uh, it's a beautiful community. Mm. Uh, born and raised there. My wife's from Middletown. We live in Portsmouth. I was born in Newport, so we've covered the whole island. Wow. Um, you know, we love living there. Quality of life is great. Mm. Um, you know, there's access to the beaches and just a vibrant downtown in Newport, and it's all pretty close to home. But, you know, we can be on the highway and on our way to Boston or New York pretty quick, So easily. Easy and, mm. yeah, exactly. You know, the, the one thing I always thought was funny, and I did it today, which is I leave my state to come back into my state. <laughs> so I you know, drive through Fall River to, to get here. So I think as a kid, I thought Fall River was part of Rhode Island. But I, I definitely did. I, <laughs> I think did. I did too. Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe we can yeah. like- maybe <laughs> We're we going to annex it. Yeah, maybe we can fix like state lines. <laughs> um, I'm curious too to know a little bit of the history behind Ragged Island. Doing my research, I then um, like the name of Ragged Island was really cool how you guys came up with that. I just want to know your journey into starting, creating, all that good sure. stuff. Yeah, so uh, you know, Ragged Island really started in earnest in 2016 uh, with my my best friend uh, Pat and his wife and my wife all kind of deciding over dinner one night that we were going to actually pull the trigger on this thought we've had so cool. about opening a brewery in in Quidnick Island. So for a long time, uh, we talked about it, talked about it. We kept going other places. We go to Portland, Maine. We go to Boston. We go everywhere and find new breweries. Um, you know, just popping up all over the place. It's something we enjoyed doing together, going to to visit these places. And then we'd come back to Rhode Island and there was <laughs> still only a handful. Mm. Um, so, you know, those conversations probably started back in, you know, 13, 14. Mm. Um, and at that time, I was a, 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 a budding entrepreneur. I had just started a company called Gray Matter Marketing, which is mm. uh, another business that I manage um, and started in 2012. And my buddy Pat had started a company called Meridian Ocean Services, so uh, that was based in Portsmouth. Gray Matter was based out of my home at first and then in Newport uh, where we had offices and eventually Portsmouth uh, once we, we got the brewery going. So that uh, those conversations uh, about starting another business um, once we had gotten our businesses off the ground and we're having success with them became something more real uh, that, you know, hey, look, we've already had success here. This seems to be something we're passionate about. This seems to be something that could fit here on the Equinic Island. And then it came down to it, well, if we don't do it, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that was a conversation that kind of like finalized it. Um, mm. Pat's father-in-law, Liz's father, John Almeida, uh, was a is a 30-plus-year home brewer. Oh, He's wow. He's been brewing beer for a long, long time. Uh, we thought his quality and product was excellent. We thought it was definitely commercially viable. And uh, that's kind of where we started. We mm. took a step up from a home brew and, and decided <laughs> to open a one barrel nano brewery in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, uh, which officially opened in 2017. Um, but again, started uh, really in earnest in 2016, took almost a full year to find our location, get our licensing, get our equipment mm. and, and get open. So uh, that was a fun journey to be a part of. Mm. Uh, learned a lot in that process as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then coming down to the name, um, you know, really that comes from just every business who wants to go through the name game you know mm. what are we going to call ourselves it has to be 
fun. It has to be adventurous, outdoors feeling, because that was kind of the vibe that we felt we were going mm-hmm. to to have as a business. And um, we didn't want it to be, you know, uh, very specific. So early on, you know, Aquidneck Island Brewing, that became something we just mm. didn't want to do. Would people even know how to say Aquidneck? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, so that was that was an idea and a concept. You know, so you, you go through the name game, you, you play it for long enough Um and, uh, you know, after probably several meetings, uh, Ragged Island was thrown out by John Almeida because he lives in Maine. Uh, there is an island called Ragged Island uh, off the in the Casco Bay region. Uh, we when as soon as he said Ragged Island, my mind immediately went to the fact that it was R.I. R.I., yeah. But not Rhode Island, mm. um, you know, because we didn't want to be a specific location. We didn't want to be tied down to one one you know, specific things. So, so that was uh, just kind of the impetus for that. It, it came out when when we heard that out loud and all, all of us agreed that that was a, a name that we all liked and yeah. it was way better than anything else we had come up with. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, that kind of stuck right there. And then uh, we got to working on the branding and, and uh, once we saw the logo, uh, you know, we, we knew that it was it. It was it. Have That's- you been working with the same designer the whole time? Uh, we have many different artists that we we deal with. Um, you know, our logo design uh, was was done by a gentleman um, who works for Converse, uh, Adam Cohn. He wait, Converse the sneakers? Yeah. He's, oh my god, so cool! Yeah, he's one of their top marketing and design executives. Uh, he happens to be married to Pat and Liz's cousin because it's New England. So yes, because uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> exactly. And uh, seven degrees of separation. He had he had uh, previously offered to help. Patrick with his uh, branding and marketing for his Meridian Ocean Services brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Pat and I told him we were going to start a brewery, he immediately thought how cool it would be to see a design that he created mm, on uh, a beer, on tap handles or beers yeah. around. And, and to this day, he, he still sends me pictures every time he sees it, oh, yeah. that's so fun. <laughs> which is it's just fun. Um, so, yeah. So Adam was our uh, first designer for that. Uh, but then, you know, when it comes down to the day to day, whether it's um, designing for apparel or designing labels and things like that, there's mm-hmm. um, my wife is an artist as well. So Very Katie cool. is a uh, she's a uh, she has a printmaking and uh, painting degree, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't translate to, you know, beer it doesn't translate to, I guess, graphic design as well. Yeah. Um, but some of her um, artwork is featured on some of our, our labels, the Beach Night IPA and our hydrofoil double IPA have uh, paintings that she did. Um, and then in order to incorporate that to the actual design of a label, you need, uh, you know, somebody who has graphic skills and that's mm. my business mm-hmm. partner, Drew Appleton at gray matter marketing. So oh, cool. Drew is a, uh, Drew is a really talented designer. Um, and he's just somebody I, I rely on a lot to, yeah. to help us get through, you know, all the different challenges you have for designing uh, these days, especially with social media and, you know, website designs and all that. So he's... It's part of the game. I mean, we were talking about it. um, We were, when we spoke with Narragansett as well, uh, how important, like, beer can art Mm, became, like, as important as, like, the beer did Mm. at at some point. Because people go into... Sasha had brought up that when she goes to the liquor store with her husband, he picks out a beer he knows he likes, and then she wanders around and picks out a can she likes for him to try. It's so, so fun. <laughs> it is fun. Um, and you know what's really funny? If you go back, you know, Sasha probably wasn't in liquor stores back then, but <laughs> when you go back in the day, the cabinets that now hold all of the craft beer, and you probably mm-hmm. have, you know, depending on the location, <clears throat> five, six, ten bays oh, yeah. of beer. It used to just be 
a wall of Coors Light, mm. a yep. wall of Budweiser, a wall of uh, Miller, because that's all people were buying. So they kept it in big stock. Totally. And now you go there and those three are in one cooler and everything it's else. It's like a is, rainbow of different like brands and designs. Lots of eye-catching and... colors oh and my designs. Gosh. I got to tell you, the uh, Balston Porter, is that the right way to say yep. it? Balston? Yeah. That can really is like, it's like my design It aesthetic. speaks yeah. to you. I mean, it's it's me. It's the yeah. the... The khaki and the black and the, mm. the white, like that's like my color palette. Yeah, that so. one came out really well. I saw that one. I was like, ooh. It's kind of hard to, you know, <laughs> when, so Ballston is, a, you know, one of those things that's, it's an actual name of a man who founded Portsmouth. Oh, and wow. was oh. in the second town meeting uh, was issued a license to brew beer. So this is like oh. 1639. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, so I thought I was the first brewery in Portsmouth, but we were wrong. Uh, <laughs> Close <laughs> though. A couple I mean, hundred years yeah, off. Yeah, hundred uh, years off. But these guys, uh, you know, so I, when I give my designer, all right, so you need to make a can for Balston Porter. Here's this semi-historical figure uh, <laughs> that has no relation to today <laughs> or the brewery itself. But, and everybody made uh, out who it is. Yeah. Make it work. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. And then he turned around that product and uh, he's, you know. It's the, gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And so that's, yeah. you know, we're very lucky to have uh, talented people working with us. Before you started a, a a brewery, obviously you said that you and your wife and your friends were like big beer drinkers. Do you have a go-to style of beer that is like your all-time fave? And you can you can say like before you started a brewery and after because yeah, I'm sure no, that it's, it's changed. It definitely has developed and changed. I would say, you know, when I was in college drinking beers, uh, I didn't realize that I was more of a Pilsner fan than a Lager fan. So mm. I, I enjoyed Miller versus drinking Coors or Bud or whatever else terrible lagers that we had <laughs> back then. Um, you know, not to think that I knew my palate or anything like that, but it certainly was a little bit different mm. um, than a lot of my other friends who were didn't really care what they were drinking. Yeah. Um, and then I found myself uh, enjoying, you know, the variety. So I was always looking for, oh, what's this from Harpoon? And I didn't know an IPA from a lager at that point mm. in time. You know, you know, I didn't know any. It was 1999, 2000. Um, so the revolution really hadn't happened to, in a big way around here. Um, but some of those older breweries, you know, the Otter Creeks, uh, Long Trail, I had a lot of that product and I just enjoyed it versus the kind of, you know, mass produced lagers uh, mm. and Pilsners. So uh, when I really started the brewery, I was a big IPA fan. Mm. Um, but I think it's, I tend to be more of a traditional IPA fan. Mm. Uh, so I like, that West Coast style, I guess you would say. Okay. Um, you know, more piney, resiny. Um, you know, that's kind of a the flavor that I prefer. I do drink tons of the New England style IPAs, which are all these juice bombs and everything. But mm. um, you know, give me a, a classic IPA, and I'm I'm pretty happy. Man, the names know. of beers these days, like, is isn't there a, a a beer called like Juice Bomb or Juicy something? Oh, I was in the liquor store the other day, and I was like, wow, I would. I mean, I'm not. I'm. What is that? <laughs> Like, what is that? It's, it's so great. Like, how do you come up, like, even with um the beer that's named after the first brewer, like, how do you go about, like, coming up with the names? Like, do you base it on flavor profiles? Is it random? Like, I would say it's probably more random than mm. anything. Um, you know, I don't have, like, a running list of names for the next beers. Mm. I usually wait till it's out, and then we kind of sample it and talk about it and um, luckily for me, I have the final say on <laughs> <laughs> what that is. And, uh, you know, a lot of it goes to, you know, what the, you know, is this a beer that we're making as a one-off or mm. is it a beer that we're going to make many times in the future? 
Um, you know, so for all those reasons, you kind of have a lot of considerations for the marketing of the product. But yeah, how easy is it to say? Easy to remember? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think um, you know a lot of our products have two names, which is interesting. You know, um, you know, Beach Night or Liquid Hugs. Uh, oh my god, Liquid Hugs! That's so cute. I was cute. just looking at that one. Yeah. I, I have your like list of beers. So I love that. Yeah. So it all really just depends on you know what the product is, mm. and then from there, you know, what you're goal with that product is and somebody who's gonna be around for a long time you gotta put more thought into mm. it. If it's just gonna be a one off, you know, maybe it's a little, a little more sillier of a or name yeah. and um, you know, you certainly running out of names out there. There's just uh there's so <laughs> many craft beers out there too. Like thousands and thousands of breweries around the country and, you know, uh there's been some legal issues with people, you know, borrowing names or mm. yeah. having a name too close to something else and um, you know, so that's why they're um, getting like kind of wackier and wackier the names because you have to kind of go outside the box so you're not trailing yeah. on anyone else. And it's have... similar to the logo, situ- I mean the the you know the design situation mm. on on the labels. You know you kind of have to do something a little different to to catch people's attention mm. uh, these days. And I feel like you might this you have to run into it where you've named a beer and like you've had it for years and then you find out that somebody in Washington State has a same name like there's so many of them yeah mm. and if there's ten thousand breweries and they're each even if at a minimum they're each making nine beers like right how many names are there yeah <laughs> yeah you know? i yeah. can just picture like in my in a little dream i can picture you guys trying this like liquid hugs and it like having a sip of it and you're probably like oh it's like feels like a hug that's so cute <laughs> i love that yeah, that one came out of a, a dinner conversation very similar to what we're doing here, which is how do you name your beers? And mm. a couple of my friends were asking that. And I just kind of jokingly threw out there like, oh, we could call something liquid hugs. And they all laughed. And it's I was so like, cute. You were like, there like, it is. All right. Put That's that one down on the list. One. Take out the notes <laughs> yeah, app. Exactly. <laughs> What's the process? I'm pretty sure I sent myself an email right away. <laughs> <laughs> Voice memo now. Yeah. What's the process of like, try, like making a new beer? How do you guys, do you meet and you're like, let's try these flavor profiles? Or like, how does that work? Yeah, um, you know, we haven't really brewed a new beer in quite a while um, for various reasons. One mostly being that we're under construction currently Mm. at our new facility. COVID threw us for a curveball where we started really just focusing back on the core products Mm. just to make sure we were meeting demand uh, for takeout and things like that. Um, That wasn't a time to really get too experimental with with products because if it didn't work, then you're sitting on all this product. Mm. So, um, you know, so going back a few years, yeah, you basically, if you if you saw another product out there in the market that you liked, uh, or a hop that you f- you found in multiple beers that you were like, wow, I really like this hop, then we got to try something with that. Mm. Um, and it really is just a collaborative effort of of meeting with you know our brewers and and really dissecting what kind of beer we'd like. You know, some of it can just be, oh, well, this is a different iteration of a beer that we've already made, and we are gonna try this, this, and this, and these tweaks over time will become that next beer. Mm. Um, and I think that's what many of the breweries do is yeah. really just, even though, you know, you've had that beer before, it may not be that same beer the next time because they've, you know, done some process tweaks mm. and, and really try to hone it in to be exactly what they want. And and with smaller breweries, that's very common. You mm. know, if you get to the larger breweries, once they lock something in, it's, it's locked in. So, um, yeah, it's really just a collaborative effort and something we do as a team and, you know, have you ever tried like brewing anything like wacky? We haven't brewed anything wacky, but we've definitely used uh, beer that we've brewed and, and you know, conditioned it with mm. some fun different things. So, um, you know, we've done 
beers like our, our wit beer, uh, zero viz. We've, we've added berries to that to really mm. kind of bring that out. So it's the same beer that we had before. We just added, you know, puree. Um, and then we have, uh, a long time ago, when we first opened, uh, we would do a fun beer that we brought to a couple different events just in a cask. Uh, so it's just, you know, one mm-hmm. cask of uh, Sour Patch Kids and like an IPA, which oh my god, people loved and were raving about. But I just, you know, I didn't think that was something that we would do at a massive scale. And it's, yeah. Since, yeah, it's been done by other breweries too. So. Oh, darn it. Well, it's okay. Um, now, being... Reminds me of like Stoli Doli. You know, when you go to a bar and they have like the stoli and the thing with like pineapples or fruit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially yeah, yeah. what, what a, a cask can be. Uh, oh, it's cool. a way to just add another, you know, varietal to your offerings at, yeah. the, at the tap room or just do something different with a mm. beer and have some fun with it. Yeah, that's cool. awesome. Um, I just had a quick question, too. Because you're born and raised Quidnick Island area, mm-hmm. you must have like fave places to dine and and grab coffee and as someone who doesn't visit that area as much as i should i would love to hear your faves sure from Uh, a local yeah there's i mean there's so many great restaurants and bars in downtown newport Mm -hmm. um you know being a local you know i might be a little bit more uh i would stick to certain areas of town uh, a little different than than others so um, the broadway area has had uh, an incredible transformation in the last 20 years and so there's great restaurants like Salvation Cafe and Malt on Broadway. Those mm. are, are two of my favorite ones in the northern end of the uh, Broadway. Um, you know, g- there's definitely go-tos like Poor Judgment and Fastnet, mm. which are just, you know, great bars of, you know, where they sell our product, obviously. Nice. Um, but you know, those are all go-tos for me in that area. Um, when you get to downtown, downtown, it gets to be, uh, you know, as a native Newporter, I try to avoid it in the summertime. I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's so many great restaurants down there and, and places that, you know, I haven't even had a chance to get to. Uh, Guistos is uh, one that just opened up last year at Hammett's Wharf. Um, it's a whole new facility mm. in general. But that's a, a, a spot that I've heard you know a lot of great things about and hope to get to soon. Mm. Yeah, that downtown area, uh, like I have a, a one of my roommates, actually, his parents live uh, in Newport. And it's the one bad thing during the summer is there's no way to get to their house without going like, what's the name of the road that Bowen's Wharf is on? America's Cup. Yeah. Have, without, yeah. Go, you have to go down America's Cup. Yeah. So like if you go down there, like in the middle of the day in the summer, you're adding 25 minutes to your ride. Yeah, no, I, I it's having grown up there, there is a frustration with traffic and, mm. and parking and challenges like that. But you have to remember that was uh streets were designed for, uh, <laughs> yeah, horse and buggies. Yeah. <laughs> They're tiny. Not, not, yeah. Not for cars. And uh, so, you know, when the city was designed, they weren't thinking about, you know, the way we transport ourselves mm. today. But that being said, it adds a lot of charm and character to it. Totally. Um, it's just a very unique place and you know we have so much history in Newport whether it's you know from you know colonial times and pre-colonial times to uh you know the gilded age and, mm-hmm. and just kind of modern Newport now it's it's a it's a very eclectic place yeah somebody pointed that out to me maybe it was on a podcast I was listening to uh, I don't know but somebody had pointed out to me that uh a lot of those older cities or older towns or whatever that have a lot of one-way streets was exactly because of that yeah. like back when it was horse and buggy it wasn't a one-way street no. you could fit two on there yeah. it was fine there's no then, directionals then you all, just yeah. got on your horse and went <laughs> all, all, the, went. all yeah. the buildings were built to accommodate that so then once it became automotive transportation right. it had to become a one-way street yeah. mm. uh, and that's why like sometimes like, people will go to a certain area like even of providence where yeah. 
it's a lot of one-way streets. It's like, oh, this is so annoying. It's like, well, you know, yeah. that part's been there for a very long time. Boston, <laughs> you know, Boston and yep, Newport Boston. and Providence, you know, they're all very similar in that regard. And, you know, New York City has is set up on a grid, so I guess mm -hmm. they were just a little bit smarter mm. than we were around here. But uh, Yeah, but that's know. why we have all this charm, though. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. New York was built to be a city. Yeah. Correct? And then a lot of other cities built out. And you have places like D.C., which was like – built for like to withstand incursions and stuff yeah. like they all have different reasons for being built the way that they are yeah. i like i live on the east side so it's i mean it's not the same as not even close to the same as newport but it, there's all those really old houses and you'll go down one street and the road is like humongous mm -hmm. and then you go down another street in the i don't even know how a car like it'll be a two-way street and i'm like i avoid those streets because i'm like if i have to play chicken with another car i'm definitely losing i'm gonna what i'm gonna like go off the road or something i'm too intimidated but i i just think that it, it adds so much charm to to rhode island and to these little you know there's a lot towns. of character in in the roadways around here um but you know some of them you look at and you're like how is this a one lane and you know one-way road and mm. then this road over here is considered two-way with oh parking I, you know <laughs> yeah. it's like there's this no rhyme or reason <laughs> to it all but you just kind of have to you know grin and bear it there's this road um on off of south main in providence that it brings you up to like benefit street so it's like this very steep hill this is a two-way road and i don't think i drive a jeep i don't think my one jeep even fits on the road <laughs> and it's supposed to have like two car pat I, I don't know i i Sometimes Brian, my husband, will take that. And the whole time I'm like sitting in the passenger seat, like white knuckles. I'm like, what happens if another car comes? I get so stressed out. Um, do you, being in Newport, do you, I have to ask this question because I love everything. Um, do, have you seen the Hocus Pocus stuff going on? Yeah, I was in downtown last night. So, mm. um, so they were filming last night, right? They, uh, they were, I think. Um, yeah, we were down there for, for dinner. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to see all the sets and it's so cool yeah, seeing downtown Newport utilized in that way uh it reminded me a lot of when Amistad was filmed in Newport oh. uh, years ago um just how crazy these productions can be like they put up a brand new building it's insane that's built into the set that looks like it should actually be there mm -hmm. and it happened overnight mm -hmm. uh in theory and then you you know when you're doing construction at your house or maybe on a farm <laughs> and you're like why is this taking so long? <laughs> Why is this taking so long? Yeah, we went. Yeah, because this... you, you didn't have millions of dollars. We didn't to pay the Hollywood it. budget. <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, totally. Uh, but it's impressive what those guys can do. And then you know, whenever it's over, you know, it all disappear like it was never there. And and the snap. Yep. It's and it's got to be bringing a good amount of, um, you know, because I feel like this time. I know being from Newport, it's not probably the best thing for you, but um, I think it brings attraction to Newport during kind of like the more off season because it's not super warm anymore. It's fall. I mean, when you're a Rhode Island in the summertime, if I'm off, like not doing anything on a Saturday, going to Newport is great, but it's not always my first in when it's cold. I'm not like Newport. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's November 10th and I will mark that I'm wearing shorts, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, it's gorgeous out right it now. Is. We've, we've had a, a nice stretch of, of good weather, but mm. I think this is kind of the new norm for us is to, to see the shoulder season actually kind of um, become a little bit longer into November, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, uh, you know, really bring, we used to be really a Memorial Day to kind of Labor Day. That's when Newport was crazy. Mm. Now that has extended. Um, you know, there's a lot of events that happen throughout the fall to kind of bring people to town. Mm. So um, I see that in my other business as well, which uh, produces road races and events. Oh, cool. Um, so we, we definitely are a part of that. 
Um, you know, we, we just had the Amica Newport Marathon uh, a couple weeks ago, the Citizens Pell Bridge Run. Mm. So those are two major events that, you know, brought a lot of people to town. Um, and then I also sit on the board of directors for the uh, Discover Newport in, in town. So we are damn. part of- You're not busy enough. <laughs> you're, you're doing the whole damn thing. Well, you know, these are, uh, you know, organizations just like the Rhode Island Brewers Guild that have, you know, a direct impact on, mm. on you know, my business. Um, and it keeps me engaged with my communities and mm. really just, you know, it's part of, I'd be, if I wasn't on their board, I, you know, I'd be involved and engaged anyway. So mm. uh, might as well be on the board. Might as well do it. Yeah, that's cool. And I think, um, again, I think the common thread of everyone we've talked to is people who really care about the communities that they're in and how, when one person cares or when a group of people care, it makes other people care and it makes other people want to be more involved. So then it becomes like a whole community of people who are like, okay, let's make Newport great. Let's make uh, the brewers community great. Let's make the artist community great. Like it's people like you who take that initiative to be part of those boards. And, you know, even though I'm sure you're so, you know, so busy doing a million things, like, you know, going to that extra meeting makes someone else say like, oh, if he's if he's doing this, like I should step up for my business and my community too. Yeah. Thank you for, I think it is something that, you know, we try to set a good example, um, you know, for my two young kids, mm. but also just in, you know, being engaged in your community is beneficial. It does yeah. have, uh, it does pay dividends. And as a small business owner, multiple times over now, um, you know, really is, it, it is a lot of grassroots efforts that get things done. Um, and then I just get to engage with other, you know, small business owners too, which is mm. just, it's, those are the kind of people I really enjoy. Um, you know, people who've taken that risk and put mm -hmm. themselves out there, um, you know, and, and it's not always successful as you know, the stories of small business ownership, it's not always, you know, it, it isn't as gl glamorous sometimes mm. as people think it is, especially in the brewing industry. I think a lot of people think, you know, oh, look at these guys they are killing it. You know, mm. <laughs> it's like, well, we're struggling every day, just like everybody else. We yeah. just, you know, we make people happy with beer. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the end, end result the day, is happy. Like, oh, but this is exciting. You know, yeah, you know? but getting there is a tough. It certainly is, and and there's not a, a brewer out there that I know of that you know kind of didn't bootstrap in and, mm. and really work hard to get where they are. Um, you know, that isn't you know still doing that to this mm. day. Um, you know, I've seen that. You know, as the number of new breweries have come up mm -hmm. over years, so it's um, it definitely is a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of long weekends, nights, things like that. You know, mm. there's tons of events you got to go to to kind of really keep your brand out there and promote and market. Mm. Um, so it is quite a bit of work outside of just brewing beer and drinking beer. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm sure fun. there's a lot of, it's like, I think the the thing with restaurants is it's like 60% closer than two years or something like that. I'm sure there's some kind of similar stat with breweries and just in the fact that a lot of people would go like, Oh yeah, I want to open a brewery because I want to drink beer for a living. Mm. And you're like, that's not really what <laughs> running a brewery <laughs> yeah. is. You know? you know, you'd actually be shocked to to realize that. I mean, I think I can only recall one brewery or two breweries, I guess, that have closed. Yeah, in I don't Rhode know Island. a lot of them actually. Um, you know, Bucket uh, closed in Pawtucket a couple of years ago, but then was reopened right away as Smug. So, oh wow, you know, it's you know, the. We haven't reached the full saturation point, I guess, yet, because mm. when you do, yeah. that's when you'd start to see closing. But that's across the country. It mm. really isn't, you know, the, the new breweries opening still outweighs uh, the ones closing, even during the pandemic, which mm. is Yeah, it's typically interesting. I think with restaurants, more to do with competition. Like you're directly comparing your restaurant to the other. Like it's not like, you know, we're saying there's a lot of breweries, but I would imagine in comparison to restaurants, there's 
50 fold more restaurants in an area than there are breweries. Mm. So like you're not a lot of the issues with opening a new restaurant is you think it's going to be one thing and then it's another and you don't realize what your margins are and you don't realize what the payroll is going to be like. And then you also don't realize that if you can't get those things under control, you're not going to be able to compete with the people around you. And it's, I think it's a more volatile kind of thing. Yeah. Than, and you also don't go on like restaurant tours. I was just going to say, yeah, like, like you go yeah. on a brewery tour, you yeah. got three different breweries in a day, as long as you have a mm. nice designated driver doing that for you. Um, <laughs> you know, with uh, the restaurants, you know, you go to one. You're yeah. You can't go to like location. one restaurant and grab lunch and then like, I want to try lunch at this one. But in breweries, especially if you find an area that there's a couple, like you could grab one here, one there. Like, and I think too, um, what I've noticed as someone who doesn't drink beer, but goes to a lot of breweries because the people who I'm my my community of friends loves beer. Each brewery has a completely different feel. That not only is their beer completely different, but like the workers that are in there, the the way it's set up, like some are a little cozier, some are more industrial feeling, mm-hmm. some are more like, you know, you're right in the middle of the big but well, I don't know what they're called, the things that brew the beer. Yeah. Some you can't see like you know it's they're all so different and it's like you can experience three different feels, three different beers in one afternoon. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you definitely kind of described the way that the industry around here is, mm. but it, it's everywhere. You know, there's definitely more industrial spaces. There's certainly more that are almost like a restaurant when you mm. walk in. Um, so there's a lot of different feels to them, you know, and, and I think the other thing is, you know, we, we say there's a lot of breweries in the state of Rhode Island now, but you know, if you go to Boston or you go to Portland, Maine, just, there's almost as many breweries in Portland city limits as there are in the yeah. state of Rhode Island. Yeah, you so, can throw a rock in the five of them. And the population is, you know, vastly different. I mean, mm. the, the population of Portland is not even comparable to Providence, yet Providence still only has a handful of breweries mm. um, compared to a city like Portland. So it's uh, it all it's all happening organically. Mm. Um, you do have a lot of these very small businesses, which are, you know, owner-operated, which I think that's kind of the prime predominant business model. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a person or, or, or people who decided to open a brewery, brew their own beer, sell their own beer. They may not even be distributing. They may not ever sell their beer to a bar or restaurant ever. Mm. And that's a different model than somebody who has, you know, 25 employees and is brewing 100 barrels of beer a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a completely different concept. Um, you know, they're focused on distribution and getting their product out to bars and restaurants and you got to compete for taps. But the other thing about it is there's just, there's so many breweries now too that, you know, you don't even get those tap lines anymore. So you can't even like kind of guarantee that this place will always have your product. Mm. It's not that it's rare. uh, It's just harder to do with the competition that you have Mm. and the idea that people like something new all the Mm. time. And um, you know, that's one of the challenges I think as a restaurant is, that you know you could be one and done. People could have a fantastic experience and leave a great Yelp review, mm-hmm. but they're not going to come back because they got to move on to the next mm-hmm. place and try that. And yeah. that's a mentality that kind of works for the brewing industry, mm. yeah. um, but may not work as well, you know, with with restaurants. Mm. It's just True. harder to kind of manage that and the expectations. So, you know, from our standpoint, our our goals are as Ragged Island is to really focus on making the best product that we can mm. and focusing on our little area, our footprint, and we being the best we can be where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the days of trying to create a, a business that's going to be in every state around the country, you know, distributing, you know, 
you know, and getting bought out by, you know, ABM bet. Those days are mm. over, I think. Mm. Um, I think really what, what you're seeing now is uh, people are hunkering down. They're focusing on their local area, mm. producing quality product, creating a great experience, utilizing that community field to kind of create their core customer base. Mm. And then when you do get the outliers of, oh, somebody found you at a bar or restaurant or, or you can pick up stuff in a liquor store, mm. that's kind of an added bonus or just a, another avenue to kind of explore and, and get your brand out there. But I think truly, you know, think about the state of Rhode Island has 39 towns mm. and there's we're creeping up on 39 breweries. So yeah. you know, yeah. before so you know it, in, there's almost one in every town. Is there one opening in Wyoming, Rhode Island? <laughs> <laughs> Going well, on there. There's a homebrew shop out there. Oh, cool! Uh, but uh, I don't believe anyone's opening a brewery out there. I think too, like just to to go on what you were saying, e- even in the scope of like we were talking about restaurants for a long time. If you went out to eat, you went to like your Chili's or your T- TGI Fridays or whatever because they were everywhere. It was easy to get to. It was convenient. But I think there was a huge shift in wanting to be in that local spot, the place where you know. Maybe you know someone who works there or you know uh, the owner or you know their story and it, it feels like such a deeper connection. And I think similarly with beer, like, yeah, people still might get like their cores or their Bud Light or whatever, those kind of like chain, I'm doing air quotes, chain beers. But now we're in a in a new sort of like era where it's like you want to be local. You want to try the thing that you know is helping your community that's – and it's – you can and you can have both, right? You can, you know, you can go to a Starbucks and grab a coffee, and then two hours later, when you need another one, you can go to like a Brood Awakenings, a local place, and and get lunch and get another. Like you can do both things, but I think in this era, people are so into supporting the people around them who are doing good things that it's it's so I don't know. It's just like yeah, awesome. I think the 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 <clears throat> kind of local brewery movement the shop local movement and then like the farm to table movement Mm. all kind of started happening around the same time and since they all are like hand in hand with one another that like keeping things local trying to keep dollar in your state um keeping your tax money in your state to try to improve the place that you live like all of that is be it's coming back that was like kind of an old ideal Mm. that is became cyclical cyclical Mm -hmm. and is coming back again which i think is awesome yeah, yeah, it's definitely an economic shift that benefits the small businesses in the states. Mm. Um, you know, anytime you go anywhere now, I, I always think, you know, with my wife or my kids or, or just traveling for work, you know, I always try to support local. You mm. know, I always try to try totally. local things. And, you know, with the advancements of, you know, digital communications, you know, searching find a coffee shop near me and you might mm. get the Starbucks pop up, but then you might also see the brew yep. waking things mm. and you might lean towards going to try something new and different versus mm. what you want. But to each his own, some people will just always be Starbucks fans. Yeah, yeah. That's the way, that's the way it is. Mm. I can't convert some of my, my best friends from being Budweiser drinkers. It's just never going to happen. No. I, can't, I can't compete on price. I can't mm-hmm. compete with that yeah. specific product mm-hmm. and I don't want to. Um, so Yeah, because you have just, a lot of heart behind yours. Yours is, is, what it is. filled a, with heart and passion. And I think you know? there's a place for both too because I know a lot of people that are like big, 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 big like IPA, like local brewery drinkers. But it depends on how many you want to have, <laughs> because like if you're sitting around watching and some people will do this, some people will sit around and watch football all day and just drink crap beer all day. 
but like they'll switch to like a Coors Light if you want to be able to just like slow drink throughout the whole day mm. and then like pepper in a, a craft brew like every few beers or something if you're doing it all day because sometimes depending especially depending on like your ABV yeah. <laughs> you know it's a slight can be a slightly different experience uh but I wanted to touch back on um you had talked about your uh your footprint and uh to kind of bring it back around to what we kind of touched on a couple of times already you're in the middle of building a new space right is Nick, it you read my or? mind i was literally like dying to ask that question yeah i was yeah. trying to I was trying to like work that transition there. <laughs> it was perfect <laughs> yeah so uh we started as a, a one barrel brewery in a industrial park in portsmouth rhode island uh the industrial park consists of like six seven buildings it's not really what portsmouth is known for <laughs> um, but that was the only space you could have an industrial license to produce beer and, and mm. manufacturing um, and distribution so for us um that was a great starting point it was our intention to start small because we didn't want to go too heavy into investing in this if it wasn't going to work out. And mm -hmm. we weren't quite sure what we were getting into uh, to a degree. I mean, we certainly had plans and ideas and thoughts about what it would be. Um, but uh, I would actually hasten to say that none of those things have come true. <laughs> uh, but uh, it has certainly taken on a life of its own and brought us to a whole new place, which is, um, you know, when we were looking to expand uh, beyond our, our small space and small system, uh, which we did. We did a small upgrade to a three and a half barrel system. So we're still very, very small. Mm. Um, we're actually among the smallest still uh, breweries in the state. And even when we move to our new location, we'll only be a 10 barrel system. So we're kind of in the middle ground at mm. that point. Um, but we, we looked everywhere in Portsmouth that we felt like we could brew beer. And the options for us were really not that attractive. Um, you know, it was staying in the industrial park or similar type mm. location. Um, you know, and then we've seen this model of uh, farm breweries kind of pop up everywhere. Uh, Portsmouth, Rhode Island is an agricultural community. It was mm. truly just farmland at one point, not a suburb as it is today. Mm. Um, but the idea of, of, you know, keeping some agricultural land as active farmland while moving our brewing operations there uh, immediately became a, a passion for us. Uh, it was the only option, really. Um, I don't know if the town of Portsmouth hadn't changed their laws to accommodate for us, that we would have been able to stay in Portsmouth mm. um, or even decide to keep going as is. Um, so that was a huge shift for us. Uh, it was uh, kind of a vision that we had uh, to buy this farmland um, and then go through the process of us making sure that we were able to brew beer there. Um, so the, the, the way it all really came about was we saw this amazing piece of property. It's on a main road, uh, Bristol Ferry Road uh, connects uh, West Main Road and um, the Mount Hope Bridge to Bristol. So it's a very uh, busy, busy road. Mm. But this piece of, of property was just this gorgeous 37 acre piece of land that had been for sale for a couple of years. Um, they had been approached, but mostly through developers wanting to put you know, 20 houses out there. Mm -hmm. um, we approached them with the idea of we'd like to keep this farmland, keep this farmhouse building as it is, mm. utilize it in a very similar way, which was for retail sales. And um, we would just be selling beer versus <laughs> selling uh, nursery products. <laughs> and uh, then we went, uh, the, the owners of the property were incredible. The Van Hoff family, they stuck with us through about a 18 or 19 month process of going through the town, petitioning to change the law, having hearings about changing the law, 
having a vote on changing the law. Once that was done, then we had to go back and present our plan for this property mm -hmm. to the zoning board, to the design review committee, and to uh, the planning board. Once all of those things were checked off, we knew we could actually move forward with our project. And then we purchased the land. So it, it was for about 18 months, they just hung out with wow. us. Because they believed kept our in offer. you. And they just didn't want to see their family's mm. like, homestead become another development. Which it probably would have if you didn't. And they it. had sold off other pieces of land that they had farmed for years. And, and then when they didn't farm them anymore, they became housing developments. So mm. uh, for us, that you know, that's an incredible part of our journey and our story is getting to that point. And now the last two years have been, you know, the delays of COVID yeah. and, and the headaches involved in that. Um, our old lease in our old location ended this summer, so we didn't really have anywhere else to be brewing beer. Wow. Uh, we were able to petition the town to <laughs> let us have a beer garden outside so we could at least sell our beer mm -hmm. in an outdoor setting. That came through with a catering license, selling our beer into distribution, buying it back, going through a oh caterer. You know, a lot of headaches involved just to keep the brand going, to keep us selling beer, to show people kind of the rough draft version of what was to come mm. at the farm. And um, I'm pleased to say that we're in full construction mode right now, and we'll be sharing lots and lots of pictures on our Instagram page uh, all, all throughout the process to Yay. kind of get people engaged in it. Um, and just, you know, we're ready to brew beer again. And uh, it's, Heck yeah. it's been a while, and uh, we can't wait to do it. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have a great partner um, in Massachusetts that we have been brewing some beer with in a contract setting, um, and they've been able to producing product for us, which is nice to have beer available in bars and restaurants and in, in, in package stores for now mm -hmm. until we're able to open up and operate again and make our own beer again. So very nice. What's your, um, and I know, uh, projecting construction is like, you know, <laughs> the uh, worst divining where a well is, but, um, do you have a, you know, like around when you're supposed to start being able to brew again? So our, our fifth anniversary is uh, coming up on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Uh, we hope to be fully open and operating by that point in time. Nice. Mm. Um, you know, we hope to be brewing beer earlier than that. It's just having the entire project done and ready, um, you know, for, for us to physically reopen um, for, for on-site consumption. It, you know, that's the timeline I don't have mm. a great yeah, yeah. on, but... Hopefully, you know, no later than March for all of that, and uh, we'll see. Wow. Um, and we obviously thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us. Before we sign off, you said that you're going to do a lot of updating on your Instagram. So for anyone who might not already follow you, what is your Instagram handle? Yeah, it's just at Ragged Island. Okay. Um, and that's the same for uh, Twitter and for Facebook as well. So if you're looking for us on any of those, just find us at Ragged Island. Perfect. And you guys actually have a good website too, and that's Ragged Island Brewing. Dot com. Yeah. Dot com. Awesome. Right. Thank Perfect. you so much for being here and, and talking about all the work you've done for Newport and for the um, community of brewers and just Rhode Island in general. It's awesome to get to chat with people who like really care about our state. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for doing this and uh, happy to have been here. Yay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.